Hello, everybody. Uh, it's a somber mood in Devil's World. Um, John, hello, John Fisher. Hello. You're joining me today, John, in, on a day that's, you know, we, we have some really tough news. And if anyone follows along with the Devils, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I have some tough, uh, some other personal news. And tragically, John, I have to say my students have discovered the podcast. And I've tried very long to avoid this, and uh, sadly, they confronted me with it the other day. So I have to say, uh, hello, Lewis, if you're listening, do your Spanish homework now so you don't do it in chemistry class. Thanks. Anyway. Yes. Yes. And I would like to say, Lewis, here, here's a life lesson for you. Do this stuff on your own time, because mo mo most people are not going to be so tolerant to do it on their time. Oh, what a guy. The compliments. Love it. But anyway, we have no compliments for the team that we all support. Um, there's nothing to compliment them on. And I want to just kind of highlight the similarities first. And then, John, you can get into the differences in the minutiae uh, between games one and two. The results were disastrous. We were all very excited to start a playoff series against the Rangers. Uh, the Devils started with home ice advantage and promptly destroyed that. Um, not just losing both games, but losing them in arguably the most convincing fashion they've lost games in all year. And so I'll start with the similarities in that the score was exactly the same five to one, both nights. There were two power play goals from Chris Kreider on each night. One of those power play goals from Chris Kreider was uh, created from a Mileswood offensive zone penalty. Uh, what a surprise. Not just an offensive zone penalty, Dan, an offensive zone penalty on the same player. Oh, incredible. Artemi Panarin. Both times. Uh, another similarity is that the Devils have produced zero five-on-five five goals uh, between both games. You know, scoring one in each game, it's kind of hard to do, but a power play goal and a penalty shot is how they got their goals this series so far. And they leave New Jersey tail between their legs, down to nothing, outplayed, outworked every facet of the game, outcoached, uh, goaltending, outperformed, defense just completely not present um, most of the star players at forward not being able to produce much in the way of opportunities in either game. So what are some of the differences that we saw in these first two really disastrous games back for the Devils in the playoffs as they remain one playoff win in the last decade plus? You forgot one other similarity, Dan. Go on. I attended both of these games a lot. Oh, no. Now, I'm a season ticket holder, so I was unfortunately not one of the fine people that got to pay out so much money for this game. The secondary market for this game was just absolutely ridiculous, only to be dwarfed by, um, well, the games in MSG, the world's mm. most overrated arena. Um, I mean, I'm surprised the New Jersey Devils didn't team up with a bank to... Uh, you know, push some, you know, personal loans so people can go to some hockey games. <laughs> uh, but the other similar, but related to that and more relevant to the hockey at the rock audience is that I have to confirm that the audience, the, the crowds at both games were very much mostly a devil's crowd mm -hmm. and the devils through their performance, through how the game went, gave the majority of those fans enough of a reason to leave with 10 minutes left in the third period and that led to, you know, the entire, you know, what looked like what was originally a red and white and black uh, sea of fans leaving behind a lot of blue who were very happy because their team is, you know, winning 5-1 against their hated rivals. And, of course, cheering and jeering. And the worst part about that, Dan, especially at the end of game two, is the fact that you can't say anything about it. What mm -hmm. am I supposed to do? Say you're wrong? Like, 
I just watched, you know, three hours of my life on two different nights. The devil's getting, but you know, getting boat raced by a team that they beaten three times this season. Yeah. And the one time they didn't beat them was an overtime loss. All those games were close, but somehow the devils have managed to, and this is going to sound a little weird, Dan, but I'm I'm going to go there. We got to get a little weird here. Okay. We got to get rid of conventions. We got to get away from narratives. We got to get away from um, our preconceptions. Mm-hmm. I think the root problem of the devils in both nights is that they're trying to play a game of hockey that's not actually happening. Yes. They are trying to play this game that a lot that some of the people who matter have been yelling at me for years saying, don't you know that playoff hockey's tougher? It, it's it's more liberty. You know, you don't want teams taking liberty. Devils are a bunch of wimps. They're soft. They're weak. You got to be strong. Well, dang it. Lindy Ruff must have heard all of that and said to his players, I want you to throw all the hits. I want you to start the scrums. I need you to lean on them. They're going to let it go that you better hit first. And lo and behold, the referees, especially in night two, uh, game two, basically called the games like it was a regular season game. The Devils did initiate of all the physical stuff, so I guess they won the macho battle, which means diddly yeah, squat great. on the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, it ain't no banners for being tough, guys. And uh, our hated rivals, surprisingly, Gerard Gallant's game plan can be summed up as, you know, you've heard of safe as death from John Tortorella. Gerard Gallant would like to uh, suggest safe as life. They they played maybe the most conservative uh, conservative game out of any Devils opponent. You know, they are not, you know, despite having Artemi Panarin, Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, three under 25 players, you know, they they did not rush up ice unless they absolutely positively felt that they could get away with it. They did not forecheck super aggressively unless they felt they had proper support. Defensemen did not activate. They did not activate in this game for New York. Everybody dropped back any cent anytime the Devils were excuse me, were able to win a puck. They clogged up the middle of the ice. Very meat and potatoes, very conservative. It basically looks like a team, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, bunkering. If you're if you're a soccer fan, you know exactly what that means. Parking the bus, I guess is another way to put it. Um, hockey, of course, doesn't really allow for that because the, the action forces forces the play to happen. And the, our hated rivals were just happy to say, "Well, give us an opportunity to make you pay. We'll make you pay." And thanks to guys like Miles Wood, thanks to guys like Michael McLeod, thanks to guys like uh, Eric Halla, thanks to guys like Brendan Smith, thanks to guys like, um, oh, who was it? Who who was the other power play goal provider? Timo Meyer, maybe. I am looking at game two. That penalty list on game two, yeah, it was Timo Meyer mm-hmm. for holding, which was some of those calls were a little soft, Dan, but. Early in that game, second game, Dan, Wes McCauley and Frederick LeCarrier, like I'm sorry, LeCarrier, look, I'm bad with the French name, okay? It's Frederick L. E. Coeur, whatever, went over to the bench and said, hey, Lindy, knock it off. <laughs> and the game plan was just, no, we're going to go bonk some heads. And, you know, our hated rivals get seven power plays yeah. and score on two of them. And, and it's like, who who decided that this these you know this was the right way to go about doing business here? You you said it perfectly at the top. Lindy Ruff has been outcoached. The coaching staff, the special teams have been outcoached, and the performances have driven on from there on. The Devils seem more content to you know move their weight around, which great grand. You lost five one. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you know no yeah. one cares that no one is going to care that Timo Meyer threw a heavy hit in the corner 
in, in game number one. No one's going to care that Jack Hughes threw hip checks in this game. Yeah, no. It, uh, it's, in, in both games, in fact. No one cares. Score I, goals. Do I the things that get you 52 wins. It's an overwhelming sentiment. I mean, we're obviously seeing the same things online where, again, this is the team that won 52 games with their speed, their skill. And I understand. I mean, credit to the Rangers. They have game plan per- pretty much perfectly um for this team it's something that they could read everything they're trying to do like a book they're relying on huge individual plays and efforts instead of moving the puck quickly like they have but again Mm -hmm. not to say and again to the credit of the writers who talked about this they talked about finding consistency on special teams and how that builds a young team's confidence and that is still not something the devils have accomplished um in the playoffs or really in moments where it matters most i mean their power play started to get better towards the end of the year, they, they started to find some consistency there, but it has evaporated in the playoffs. It doesn't no, exist no. for mean, all yeah. intents and purposes. It is something that is just not helping them. And in fact, much like last year and most of last year, it ends up swinging momentum completely the opposite way more times than not. Yeah. When you're struggling to get things going offensively and five on five, like the devils have found, because again, their game plan has went from, well, instead of rushing rushing the other team down and making them panic and back check hard, it's yeah, we're just gonna play in the perimeter and maybe maybe we'll we'll do an extra pass to get Shesterkin moving, and then maybe we'll look for some traffic, but maybe not. And you know, before you can even activate a defenseman or do anything similar to what the Devils have done all season, our hated rivals win the puck back and the offense also offensive strive is dead. So power plays become more important because now you have an extra player on the ice, you're expected to create some offense. It's one thing to not score goals, but you're expected to get some offense. Yeah. How many official shots on it did they have in game one? Zero on the power play. And they had eight minutes of power play time. That is unacceptable. And even even though I believe this. They were outshot three nothing on their own power play. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, our hated rivals were like, you know, uh, being ultra aggressive on their penalty kill or anything like that. It's just, how do you not do this? And then on game number two. It seemed like, okay, the second power play unit found some space. They they got some magic. Eric Alla bats in a loose puck. The arena explodes in delight. A shot on the net. A shot into the net. You're up one nothing. Grand. And then the Devils spend the rest of game two completely peeing away um, anything good that they did in that first period with two of, two of the worst periods I've seen in months out of this team. Yep. Um, and that includes the power play, which, sad to say, I'm you know, Andrew Burnett, he's in charge of this power play. I don't, bro, the Rangers aren't doing anything super special here on their penalty kills. Yep. You know, you got to work around this here. And and again, the players, I understand, you know, the old criticism going to come up again is, oh, you know, coaches aren't on the ice, John. Yeah, but they're the ones that telling the players on the ice what to do. And that flows into the penalty kill issues where I understand a lot of people have been very critical of Ryan Graves, especially for not covering Chris Kreider in front of the net. Newsflash, everybody. Ryan McGill has wanted this team to play in a diamond and New York is cracking the diamond. Mm-hmm. Ryan Graves is where his coach is telling him to be. It's not covering Kreider. I'm of the opinion at this point of the series, Dan, forget your formation. Just put a guy on Kreider. Yeah. Make somebody else beat you. Now, granted it's, it's our hated rivals. They have the players that can still mess with. You. Well, yeah, to, to this end, exactly what was happening was covering Kreider and Panera and just getting shooting lanes that he was taking advantage of then scoring a lot of the time exactly and again it was it wasn't exactly again it goes back to what i was saying earlier with the five on five stuff from our hated rivals 
it's not super complex, exotic stuff here, Dan. It's meat and potatoes, simple stuff. You know, the two power play goals on game one were literally the same play. Adam Fox from the center point finds Chris Kreider open, shot, redirection or tip, goal. Sec- game number two, a little more fortunate because Kreider did bat a puck out of midair for his uh, fourth power play goal of the season. Mm-hmm. But again, who's involved in the mix again? It's Fox. It's traffic in front. And again, who's on Kreider? Technically nobody. Yep. So it, it, again, it's it's maddening. And again, it's further madness when you just throw in the fact that here it's like giving up a power play goal is not the end of the world most of the time. But when you're getting nothing offensively for yourselves, it's a death blow. Mm-hmm. And it's even more of a death blow knowing that the calls that led to those power plays were just rock stupid. They're just stupid. I am I am actually mad at Devils fans, the people who matter, who want to defend, you know, Miles Wood or, or Brendan Smith or, is or that, whomever. Does that population exist? Unfortunately, they point? exist in the, in the comments section of uh, All About the Jersey. Incredible. Mostly be, they're also the same people that say don't blame Lindy Ruff. So, you know, whatever. Well, but I'm not here to name names. What I'm here is to highlight the point is the fact that just because it's the playoffs does not mean you throw out the rule book. It's not 1987. We've done, we covered a game, a playoff game from the eighties and it was absolute madness. Mm. Those days are long gone. Okay. You're not going to have a line brawl start behind the referees because the referees are dealing with another fight. Those days are over. Okay. And our hated rivals to their credit, they're not going out trying to bonk some heads with maybe the exception of Barclay Goudreau, who has done nothing in this series. But Miles Wood, Michael McLeod, you know, Timo Meyer, even he sure is trying to like start, start, start something. Even Herrick Halla threw down in game two, didn't get a call for it, but he threw down his gloves wanting to fight. It's like, my dudes, you got to stop giving the referees reasons to put this Rangers power play on the ice. It's mm-hmm. killing you and you're not able to defend it. So you really need to stay out of the box. So Miles Wood, I need you to stop hacking or Tammy Panarin. Meyer, I need you to stop grabbing guys. Holla, I need you to stop hooking guys with your stick. Even if the calls are quote unquote soft and, and New York is selling it, it doesn't matter. You're still not allowed to do these things. Yeah. You know, it's bad when apparently, according to my most beloved reader, Dan, who saw the game on TV for a little bit, he even asked me after the game, game two, saying, John, it's got to be pretty bad when the bro- devil's broadcasters say that was a stupid penalty. Well, the, you know, the devil's broadcasters, they love to put a lot of lipstick on pigs. And they're the first apologist for Miles Wood. Like, exactly. Yeah. The, the first people to say, you know, what he brings to the team, the fans may not really understand the full extent of it because it's it's grit, it's toughness, whatever it is. At that point, he's he's not providing that. He's no. just not doing any of that anymore. He's only like, again, he took a penalty at one nothing Rangers at the point where the game is not out of hand in any no. way, shape, or form in game one. But once you take that penalty, you give the Rangers power play time, especially after the Devils had whiffed on a power play before that. You just immediately give the momentum back for no reason whatsoever. They score. The game basically ends right there. And then yesterday it was at 1-1 that he took the same exact penalty, basically. I just don't understand how you can promote someone up a line when they do that kind of thing. But I don't know. Today's line suggested something that I don't don't think people are going to be fans of. See, here's the – and this is a bigger reason why Ruff is getting a lot more criticism, deserved criticism. This isn't just a simple matter of a guy who's being outcoached here, Dan. Because we've seen that before. That's happened. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back to the last time the Devils had a playoff run, 2012, uh, you, 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 everybody got to witness a great example of Peter DeBoer 
basically downloading Peter Laviolette in Philadelphia. Devils got their butts whipped in game number one yep. and then proceeded to style and profile on them to win, to win the series in five. Um, you know, that was a, a, that was a great example of a coach who said, you know what? My original game plan sucks. Let's change it. Let's make adjustments. Let's make it different. And Hey, once it, we know it works, we're going to keep doing it until the other team figures it out. And Philadelphia never did. Yeah. This is the exact opposite of this. And this kills me because one of the criticisms of the New Jersey Devils, the concerns going into the playoffs is the lack of playoff experience here. And, you know, I'm thinking of myself, Dan, Lindy Ruff is the head coach, right? He's coached over 1700 games in the NHL. He's coached over 120 playoff games. He's played in the NHL for hundreds of games, as well as the playoffs. How are you so stubborn yeah. with your current game plan that if a fat, out of shape hockey blogger like myself, who is never going to play a game of ice hockey in the NHL. If I can see what's going on here, if you can see what's going on there, if Lewis, who will do his Spanish homework and figure it out, why isn't the guy with over 1800 games of NHL coaching experience figuring it out? It's it's almost and, like he hasn't been here in a while, and so he got intimidated by the moment and really just fed into all those narratives. It's very old-style hockey, like he's forgetting the team that he's coaching. He's back in 2007 with those Sabres. Right, and those th- and even those teams, as, as Buffalo fans will tell you, is that he, he lost the plot then there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, what exasperates the issue isn't just getting out coaches. That ahead of game, I, I'll speak – you know, because I did the recap for game one. I think a lot of the people who matter will agree game one was a bad game. It was it wasn't like a total Murphy's law game, but a lot you're of things allowed were wrong. one of those is serious. Yeah, you're gonna have a bad game. It's a bad game. Don't don't worry, right? Game two, before game two, the announcement comes Siegenthaler is sitting for Brendan Smith. Ugh. And then Miles Wood is not is promoted up to the third line as Jesper Bokvis, one of the faster players on the Devils. You would think a team that has a lot of speed would want that. Comes out for Sharon Govich, who, to, to Sharon Govich's credit, he was just a guy out there, but he's a fourth liner in this in this role. It wasn't a detriment. No, but but Smith, Smith, Smith oh goodness, Smith, Smith dodged a pass from Michael McLeod. Like Michael McLeod intentionally passed the puck to him, and Smith bailed out on the play. Mr. Experience, Mr. Grid of 600-something games and 57 playoff games, after the game, somebody asked Ruff, why did Brendan Smith play? And and the answer was exactly old school high style hockey answer of, well, you know, he's got experience. He's got toughness. He's a former New York Ranger. Ugh. I mean, I think fans were holding out hope of hearing like Siegenthaler was hurt or something. But again, I'm a middle-aged fat at a hockey blogger who doesn't have any NHL experience. I admit this. I don't understand the logic of taking out a guy who's been paired with Dougie Hamilton on your first pairing for the majority of the season, benching him for Brendan Smith to get into the lineup. Yeah. And then Smith goes out there. He's absolutely abysmal. Yes, I understand. He wasn't on the ice for a goal against. That doesn't mean he played a good game, anybody, everybody. Miles Wood technically wasn't on the ice for a goal against, and he sucked. So, I mean, they have, they have guys who do the exact same thing as him, just better, without Sig- taking the penalty. Siegenthaler, Siegenthaler is literally... Does everything better than Smith does. Like, he's a defensive-minded player. Doesn't take penalties. He's faster. He's younger. He's got you know I more just of a don't hunger. Get it? Like what? Why are you starting to tank right now? And then on top of this, today, game three. So in between game one and two, the Devils only held an optional practice, which I understand some of the people who met weren't happy about. I get it, but it's a you're playing every other night in this series, so 
some rest may do you some good after a bad game. Everybody was on on deck for uh, practice on Friday ahead of tomorrow's game three at Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. And the announcement of the lines that they're working with, which is usually a clue as far as what is what is it going to look like on uh, Saturday? Well, for one, we don't know who the starter is. I understand Vanacek has been lit up. Does that mean Probably, we see Schmid, or do uh, we see Mackenzie Blackwood? Oh God! Because LaRoff has said, "Oh, I've got three goaltenders this season." At this point, and you then, may as well just try and then, Schmid, right? Like and, you may as well just try. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I think Vanacek played very well in Game Two. It was just a matter of the beginning of Game Two. He he really held things down, even when things were falling apart. He was like the last. Yeah. I think the Kane goal wasn't that great, but at that point, it's like you're already down 3-1 and the Devils are giving you nothing. Yeah, pretty much. And and we're talking about two tips from Chris Kreider and a Tarasenko shot that went through traffic. Like, <sighs> these are not softies like the Ryan Lindgren goal line goal. Where No, no, but I, I even think the first Tarasenko goal of the series was not great. That wasn't great on Vanacek, and it wasn't great for the defense either, uh, yeah. especially Dawson Mercer. But never mind that. The point is here is that it had a game three. Apparently, Smith is still going to be in the lineup. Wood may still be in the lineup. Yep. Andre Palat, who has been a total waste of $30 million, missed a playoff experience over here, mm-hmm. has, has done a whole lot of bupkis in this series outside of getting a cheap secondary assist on all his power play goal. Um, He gets to move up and, and hang out to, uh, with Heischer. Jack Hughes gets to hang out with Eric Halla, apparently. And Kevin Ball may be coming out for Smith to stay in the lineup. An otherwise perfectly acceptable series so far from Kevin Ball, one of the least experienced devils on the ice, mm-hmm. in favor of these more experienced guys who are just not good. And that's what's killing me, Dan, is that the devils do have a couple guys on this roster who've been in the playoffs before. They supposedly know how to handle all this, and they have not been good at all. Yeah. A lot has been bad. Meyer has not been a factor. Hamilton hasn't been much of a factor. Smith has been abysmal in his one game uh goodness who else marino hasn't been all that great either graves has been kind of a nothing player tatar hasn't done much and oh yeah the coaching staff yeah i mean this is also pointing to people have made the similarity of the panthers blitz through everyone during the regular season last year with brunette at the helm they get to the playoffs uh kind of forget how to play but even that team still won a series first their first series win since 1996 yep and 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 just as a sidebar, how did Burnett get fired again, Dan? What was what happened that led to Burnett getting fired from uh, Florida? I mean, they or, they lost in the playoffs. <laughs> they got swept. Yeah, by Tampa Bay, a Tampa Bay team that, by the way, went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, yeah. Now, now I don't want to speak this into existence, Dan, but oh, I don't please. believe in jinxes. But I'm so I'm going to say it. You know, like I you know like to quote the you know Frank Costanza here. You got a lot of problems. And you people are going to hear about them. Well, I got one more bitter black pill or whatever color of Tom Fitzgerald's suit is going to be. Uh, whatever pill color that will be. I'll let you all pick. Here's the here's the pill. The Devils in their entire history, Dan, has never been swept in mm-hmm. the playoffs. Oh, never. Boy. Never. That's actually crazy. Now, exactly. <laughs> like considering that, you know, there've been a couple seasons where the devils were just kind of like fortunate to get into the playoffs and they were outmatched early, but even, even in those seasons, they found a way to win a game. Ugh. It would be so devils, fitting that their best regular season ever would lead to their first sweep. 
and it would be to the one team oh. you never want this to be against. Yeah. So, so I've pointed this out way back in February, and I got a lot of heat for this from some of the people who matter for suggesting like, hey, isn't it weird that Lindy Ruff hasn't been given a contract extension despite how well the season has been going? I honestly think he, uh, along with some other devils, are, are, are playing their way out of a job at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I can give you plenty of criticism that Jesper Bratz agents hating this series so far. Yep. Um, again, Meyer's not exactly, you know, covering himself in glory in, in future negotiations. I'm he, sure Miles Wood is going to be a great Anaheim duck. He's doing better than most Meyer in terms of actually, you this know, creating true. forward momentum. He is trying. I will say yeah. that. He, he's not the worst. I yeah. will say that. Um, I'm taking a quick peek here at the list here. I guess Hollis scoring a goal helps his cause, but he also hasn't done a whole lot of those. I don't think any, many of the people who matter want to see Graves or Severson necessarily return. Nope. And, you know, I just the concept of Mackenzie Blackwood getting a game, I think would send a good part of the fan base into it, a justifiable uh, seething of hatred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the biggest one here is Lindy Ruff. Because if, if he ends up being the guy to break the sweep record and get swept out of the playoffs. How do you bring him back? It's good to know at least that the roster has capable talent, which we needed kind of, you know, we, we knew it existed, but we needed a proof of concept in terms of, well, can it succeed on, on ice performance? Yeah. I think we got that answered in terms of how the regular season went, but when you go away from your game, you're you're just not prepared in key moments and first periods, things like that, where you have the talent and you know it now, but now it's time to fine-tune things and create this into yeah. a contender. And that's not to say that the series is over. We've seen teams come no. back, but uh, again, I feel a lot better about how it's going if, you know, 2 nothing notwithstanding, if they had lost at least close games where exactly it was back and forth, something like that. No, they got absolutely buried two games in a row. There's no sugarcoating this. Not yeah. only were they really bad, the Rangers were really good and really effective at what they were trying to do. So yeah, one, one um, team had a good game plan and it worked and the other team just couldn't figure it out and got wrecked the good game plan, good execution. And then the other one, bad game plan and worse execution. And again, uh, we'll see where it goes from here, but uh, something has to change and dramatically in order for the Devils to still uh, keep this season's run alive. Right. And and, and just as a final uh, point on this, to kind of put a bow on this ahead of the games at the world's most overrated arena, um, this is very much a BAM situation. BAM as in by any means necessary. I am more than happy to be wrong about lineup and, and processes and how the team is playing if it gets you dubs you know if yeah. miles wood gets out there and scores four goals and 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 wins the game for the devils i will be the first to say you know what good for wood good for the devils i'm sorry for doubting him because that's what the playoffs when people talk about the playoffs being different that's really what it is okay yeah. it's not you got to show your tough or you got to show that you got to play a certain way or not play a certain way no it's you do the things that get you dubs and in the case of our hated rivals, they're playing the most conservative, bland potato game possible, but it's getting them dubs. It's getting them wins. You think they care? No, they don't care because they're halfway to going to the second round right now. Yep. So that's kind of where I'm at here is you need to get a dub in the worst way possible in game three. And yes, it's technically possible you can come back from three down to win seven, win in seven games. But nothing from games one and game two suggests that this team 
is doing that. And that's largely at the head hands of the coaching staff led by Lindy Ruff in terms of who he's picking to play with, who's playing with whom, you know, on, on forward and, and defense and how all three situations, five on five power play and penalty kill, how they're being instructed to play against this New York team that has figured them out. Yep. And uh, I mean, we're all hoping they bounce back, but again, let, let's not forget, let's not lose sight of the fact that uh, even the Tampa Bay Lightning were swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets before they won back-to-back cups. And most of these players that are most instrumental to this team are under 24 years old. So I, I think good things to come either way. Let's not lose a great season in what could be a disastrous ending. But that being said, uh, checking right. in on Utica, they managed to win a playoff game. They won their first game uh, in their series against, uh, who was it, Laval, I think, right? Yeah, so Utica was on the lower end of qualifying for the playoffs. The AHL has a very strange playoff system where five teams out of their division, because the North Division has eight teams, but five of them qualify. But Utica and Laval ended up in the lower end, so they're playing a best of three right now for the right to play Toronto. Mm-hmm. While the Syracuse Crunch and the Rochester Americans are well, they're actually playing their first game right now. Uh, like I said, the, the AHL does not wait for one round to end before another round begins. They they just keep it moving in the A. Uh, but congratulations to Utica for at least getting their first playoff win, and hopefully they prevail in a best of three against Laval. Um, if they don't win tonight, they'll have one more chance against Laval tomorrow at Utica. And speaking of Utica, Dan, mm-hmm. I want to give a special shout-out first to the to the 2023 gold medal winning American women's national hockey team. They came from behind down three, two going into the third period, dropped a four spot on Canada helped by Hillary Knight, converting a five on three power play driven by a delay, a game call during a penalty kill. Yeah. Wine Canada wine. So the American women, congratulations to them for winning gold medal. And during that final, Dan, they announced where the 2024, Four world championships for the women will be, and it'll be held in Utica of all. Yeah, places. hence the segue. There we That's go. That's right. So, so the international game is coming to upstate New York next year. This will mean the Comets will definitely play a couple weeks uh, on the road in April. So expect an early home heavy schedule just to account for that. Uh, but it is a side of growth for the hockey market in upstate New York, especially in the Utica area, that they were able to convince the IIHF to basically come over and host a world championship. I understand the women's game is not nearly as popular as the men's game and the world championships because they're played during the Stanley cup finals uh, or the Stanley cup playoffs. I should say they're not the most popular, but it's still a big international tournament. It's a big achievement for the Utica market. Uh, Congratulations to the Utica staffers, especially Robert Esch for helping to get that uh, bid. And hopefully all things go well next year when they host it. Awesome. All right. So good to hear. And as just some final bits of uh, housekeeping, so to speak, uh, the Devils did sign another prospect to the system uh, this past week. Tyler Brennan, goaltender, signed his ELC uh, from originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, played for Prince George, gave up a lot of goals at Prince George, but uh, he didn't make the Canadian um, junior team. But uh, he is somebody that, uh, you know, keep an eye on just for the future because goaltending development is very weird. If you looked at Akira Schmid's prospect development, you would be wondering, okay, he could be really, really good or not. But now we're sitting here saying, please, please, please play Schmid on game three if you don't go with Vanacek. Do not play Mackenzie Blackwood. Do not 
give us Blackwood. Do not do that evil to us, Mr. Ruff. Uh, but Brennan is going to be in the system officially for next season. All right. Anything else? I believe that's it. Um, again, good luck to Utica. Good luck to Adirondack, the ECHL affiliate. They made their playoffs as well. And most importantly, Dan, win some damn games at Madison Square Garden because you have to at this point. Yep. So uh, we hope they can turn their fortunes around and we'll be here either way to discuss what happened. Let's see if they can avoid the sweep. So far, they've avoided being shut out through uh, sheer miracles alone. So uh, maybe the magic can continue in that regard and they can save off another embarrassing mark. So uh, that being said, thank you all for joining us and for listening. We'll catch you next time on Hockey at the Rock. Have a good night and let's go Devils. Let's go Devils.